The Courage to Grow is business. The Big Small Business Show made possible by MTN Business, a new world of business. And by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Lead your industry with a responsible partner. Partner with the CASA today. Thank you for spending your time with us. This is the Big Small Business Show. On our menu for today, we have our panel discussion. But today's uh, panel discussion is our avoided debate. For those of you who don't know uh, what the avoided debate is, it's for those uh, debates that entrepreneurs uh, don't like to listen to but, but need to. Today uh, is about, I have a great idea, but I can't get the funding. Our Psyche of Success slot today is part two of my interview with Dean Carlson from Brain Farm and we're going to talk about his incredible entrepreneurial uh, journey and you will understand that in order to become successful you don't necessarily have to be arrogant. This man is uh, one of the most humble entrepreneurs I've ever ever met. Our expert slot today is with Carl Belot. Uh, he is a board member of Enactus South Africa and he's going to be talking to us about the great work that Enactus is doing with students across the country uh, and the projects that uh, have uh, made some great impact in communities around those universities. Now normally we have our panel discussion today and uh, as you know if you've been watching the show from time to time we have what we call the avoided debate. The discussions that entrepreneurs uh, avoid to have but we are uh, quite brave to have those uh, debates on air. Our panelist today uh, is uh, Kumaran. Mona Lisa is still <coughs> not with us uh, this week. Uh, Kumaran sounds a little ill. They're coughing away. Welcome Kumaran. How's it? So today we're going to be talking about uh, the people who come in and this is say, a debate. Yes, yes, this is the debate today. They come in and they say, I have a great business idea, but I can't get funding. I mean, I get that all the time. You certainly must get it all, all the time. And very often when people go out into the market, they get told all sorts of nice PC things about, uh, well, you know, uh, unfortunately we aren't able to help you and no one tells them the truth about the reasons why they're not getting the funding and they keep coming back again and again and again and then start blaming the financial institutions saying oh that they, they don't get me they don't understand they don't want to take the risk on me but the issue is actually that they're not presenting their businesses in a compelling way mm. I think it it's a complicated else? issue but uh, there's no business to present. There's no, you're still talking about an idea, right? Mm. So I think we're going to end up debating and talking about many different things, components to this problem. But no one funds an idea. Funders fund reality. Mm. And between an idea and reality, there's a whole lot that's going on or needs to go on to translate it in, uh, into reality. Because a funder, if he lends you money or invests, they need a return. Mm. So they need money back. Money back has to come from something. Mm. Ideas don't give that. It's only a something that's turning already that gives that. I think we need to talk about, so we can talk about, uh, expand on that a bit more. Yeah. And also maybe both of us can debate what are the steps from idea to reality 
that is often missing, you know, to translate an idea into reality. So my view on this is that, that most businesses that don't get funding don't have a compelling economic right to exist, what I call CERTE, C-E-R-T-E, compelling economic right to exist. And every word there is import, important around the compelling means that they might have some sort of wishy-washy reason to exist and the business might or might not make money, but it's not a compelling economic right to exist. What does economic right mean? It means that the, the economics work, that you put 100 rand at the top and 120 rand falls out the bottom. Are we and still at idea or is yeah, it yeah. the business starting? No, at idea, even at okay. idea they don't get this. And this is really what I'm, what I'm saying is that when people present even ideas to me or even businesses that are in that early stage, there is no compelling economic right to exist. What do I mean by that? There is nothing to sell. They don't have a product. When, they, when you ask them, what do you sell? And we've seen this on the show often. They go, uh, yeah, it's sort of this and sort of that. They haven't defined what is their product. Number two, they don't have somebody to sell it to. They haven't defined a market that will buy it. Number three, they don't have the ability, in-house ability, what you often talk about on the show, the sales competence mm. to sell it. They don't either have the desire, confidence, or ability uh, to, to go out and sell. And, and lastly, if they do sell it, they they've most often can't sell it at a profit because they are competing with other pricing out there, other structures out there that are far more efficient than, than their own. And that to me is the big issue with, with people who come with ideas to, to try and get it funded or, or invested in. So they just don't have a compelling economic right to exist. Some other components of this would be, we don't, one doesn't know, they're not tested as the right jockey. Because they've got an idea, what's mm. preventing their ship from leaving the harbor? Do they have an emotional thing holding them back? Are they prepared to put their house or their job or whatever it is on? Are they committed to this enterprise? So that part hasn't even been tested. And often I find, uh, they have the idea, but they're not willing to take the next steps, which is at risk, right? Mm. So it's their own commitment to the enterprise. A funder wants to see that. If you believe in your idea so much, have, what have you done to already make a go of it? And how is that manifested in skin in the game as in financial? How, how, how do you it, see that manifested? I, it's contextual to the person. So someone may have a house, so that may look like taking a bond on the house. Someone may have a car that's free old, that's a bit old, it could be looking at selling that and using Uber or you know, taxiing around or buying something. Someone may not have a property. It may look like leaving their job, taking the pension provident fund off just a couple hundred grand and making a start from that. It could, so it, it, whichever way he makes a plan in his context. So for me, it's not the quantum, because each person is unique. So, you know, someone uh, 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 resigning and taking 200,000 rand from the Provident Fund is equivalent to someone selling his 3 million rand houses in my mind. Yes. That's all that man has. Yes, it's about the I risk that takes. I judge it in that context. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so, so if we, we're still talking about idea to reality, the first part is, is them in that equation. Are they prepared to put the kahunas on the line? You Look, know? we both do this for a living. I, we see, you know, anywhere between 40 and 100 people a day apply to join Rayscope. You must have also big numbers of people yeah. applying. Like, to me, the big discernment, yeah, I look at, I look at that, that, the risk that they take. And often they're quite charming in terms of what they will do. I also look for evidence of what they have done yes. in the past. Yes. Because they will say, they know what to say. Mm -hmm. They're very charming and I do this and this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do that. But 
too often you see with entrepreneurs who are that charming, actually when it gets down to, it gets down to it, they don't actually follow through. True, true. Again, it's that emotional thing, you know? I, I want to ask you, this is something that I, I, I also have. When they're producing, and of course you know I've written the book, Lose the Business Plan. I don't believe in business plans. But often they will present an Excel spreadsheet. Beautiful Excel spreadsheets always look lovely. You must see them all the time. You know, they have all their, their sales always move up. They got 20, 40, and then they just drag 60, 80, 100. The sales are always going to go up beautifully. The expenses are, are wonderful. They all are flat, and they've learned how to do it in month 13 and month 25. It just jumps by CPI, which is in the assumptions area of the Excel spreadsheet. It's so beautiful. And at the bottom line goes like this, and then it has this magnificent exponential curve. When I look at the, the, the detail in there, the first place I go to, and I don't know where you go to, is salaries. I look at the salary of the, that the entrepreneur, the remuneration of the entrepreneur in, in, in that. Why do you do that? Because to the skin in the game, if they are offering themselves market-related salaries when they're coming in, and then coming to me for, for funding, okay, I'm saying, well, you want me to fund, you're gonna, nothing's going to change from your perspective. You're going to have a fancy market-related mm. salary, mm. and I'm going to take all the risk. I go through something different. So also, we don't like business plan. If we get it, we ignore it, because mm -hmm. it's, it's nonsense prepared by some third party. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so, but we test the thinking. Mm. So interrogate via Q and anything. But I, if we're talking forecast, I start with the first line, which is the sales. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, what are the products or the services? How, uh, how did you come at the pricing, your costs related to that, and how are you going to market and sell that? Because everything starts from there, the top line. And so if the thinking is flawed around how you're going to get those sales, then it's, it indicates a strategy weakness. And that's not tested, because when reality now starts translating you know, into reality these ideas, then you're going to find things don't go as cute as what you imagine it in the shower. Yeah. And so you want to test that thinking and what's happened. So I, I tend to start with that. That's my preference. Talking about shower, we have to take a break now. Uh, we'll continue our debate straight after this. Welcome back. Uh, today we have the avoided debate in, in place uh, of our panel and uh, during the avoided debate we talk about things that uh, entrepreneurs are maybe perhaps a little too afraid to, to talk about, uh, things that uh, are a little bit uncomfortable. And today's debate is about uh, the fact that many entrepreneurs come and say, I've got this great idea but no one will fund me. And we're trying to get to the essence of why they are not achieving that funding, why they're not receiving the funding that they think that they deserve. So before the break, we were talking about, uh, I spoke about certainty, compelling economic right to exist. We were talking about uh, you know, what we look on in, in that, that plan, forecast. That, that, that forecast, and you were talking about the top line, and I was talking about I go straight to the Salary. remuneration, to the salaries. You know, for, for me, um, 
the, the, the place that I also look at is how, you know, you spoke about the logic of how they got to the numbers. The big mistake that I see with many entrepreneurs is that that assumption is, 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 is a fake assumption. Mm -hmm. The assumptions are fake. And the one that I hate the most is when they say, oh, the market size, size is a gazillion rand. And if we just get 1%, and then they go and find some arbitrary piece of research what the market size is, and then they, uh, you know, say 1%. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. This is, again, a problem with translating idea into reality. Because reaching that 1% or that 10% or whatever, you, is, is where the difficulty is. Mm. So again, I come back to the strategy around sales and marketing and distribution. And, and also analyzing the market. You said they go and get some research. So we had an interview recently on the show, and you asked the guy, what's his competition? He says he's got no competition. Mm. But he was looking at his competition in a very narrow, limiting definition. Mm. And so if you've defined that incorrectly, it's going to affect the way you market and how you position yourself and all kinds of things, right? And even when you talk about competition, if, even if you have no competition, which is highly unlikely, there's always secondary competition. Substitutes. You substitutes, right? Where people are, are making a choice between spending with you or with, with a, a substitute. So I think I also look for that naivete. But it's also um, an interesting thing when you look at the entrepreneur, because my, my thing is always I look at the jockey look at the entrepreneur, that blue heart that I talk about, that ability to stand up again and again. And the thing I think I still battle with is that uh, na naive, you know, optimistic outlook. Okay. And I, and we could say it on the show, and, and bullshitting yourself uh, w without doing the homework as, as to what the reality is. Hmm. It's a hard, Dilemma. And why is that? You know, because to me, that w w when we are naive, um, part of that naivete is that you know you always hear if, if entrepreneurs say, "If I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done it." Part of our success is that we don't know how hard it is, okay? And then we just muddle our way through it. We push through. We persevere through it. And part of our success is uh, our optimism, despite the the facts yeah you know we were talking in the break about a movie that we both watched recently so mcdonald's behind the arches we've read that book and watched the movie that's a classic case of what you were talking about it's an example someone had a lot of enthusiasm started off the mcdonald's thing but economically wise it was flawed mm. because only 1.4 1.9 percent franchise fee yeah. the franchisees was doing well that business was dead mm. and there was a luck intervention with the financial guy yes that the, the changed guy. yeah yeah that changed the business model yes. and that did, uh, if that luck intervention didn't happen yes it wouldn't have changed the business model mm. and uh, the business wouldn't have risen right yes. so that's an example of something that was uh, going to die it had the wrong kind of uh, business model in total so that that economic compelling economic uh, right, right to exist there's many components in that mm. is the market addressable uh, su sufficient enough are your prices and and economics right in there. Are you making enough money and do you know how the hell to reach them? Yeah. I like, I'm just going back to that, you know, if I look at my, my history as Rose Corp, you know, the, 
The first five years and two months, I didn't make a cent. And, 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 and looking back re retrospectively, the model wasn't right. But instinctively, I knew I would find the right figure model. Out, I'd figure it out. I just needed to survive long enough to do it. Um, but I went for funding. You know, coming back to the reason for this debate, I went to funding, and no one would fund me. They didn't understand, and I, I and I certainly didn't understand. You know, I was still figuring it out, but I believed I would. And I, I often wonder um, how that self-belief, you know, how big that component is in in success. It's massive. When we started talking about this, I said that emotion part, mm. their own commitment, are they prepared to sacrifice? is a proxy for that self-belief yeah. to others and to yourself. But, but when, when, when is it delusional? Uh, you know, because, because I, in retrospect, I was delusional. Because all the facts showed that there, there was no ways I could make money in that business. Mm. No matter how you... And I had an accountant after accountant. In fact, I had an a, 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 a auditing firm. And I love phoning them every year because I said, Alon, you will never ever survive. We are, we are pulling from this. Mm. This business is not going to survive. And it was a huge blow. You, you talk about jockeys and blowout and assessing. So when we assess, sometimes we can see an entrepreneur is permanent state of delusional, let's call it. Yeah. Or someone doesn't know, but his EQ and his awareness is enough to know, listen, there's certain things I don't know here, but this is, I had the same problem in the past and I figured it out. I went and asked for help. And, uh, then you know, okay, that's the one to back versus yes. this permanent state of cemented delusion. Yes. This is a deer in headlights. This one, you know that when he encounters a challenge, he'll figure it out. He doesn't know now, but he knows he doesn't know. So the clue you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so the clue that I'm, you're looking for in the two is one is quite rigid and is keeping on doing the same thing. Yeah. And the other one is learning yeah. and adapting. Yes. And working it out, moving. So, so all right, coming back to, to the... Um, uh, why, why they're not getting the funding. A big part of it for me is also how they present, not understanding that they have to speak bank, they have to speak financier. Yeah. They start talking about the product and how wonderful it is, but they're not speaking the language of the financier. Yes, but there's a bigger problem. I mentioned it earlier on. I think I need to be crystal clear for the audience. Yeah. We're a finance company, so let me tell you as a funder what the issue is. There's a brass tack, simple, uncomplicated issue. You lend someone a million rand yes they have to you have to see proof and evidence yes. in the past yes. or guaranteed in the future that they can pay back that million rand loan every month yes right so there has to be something concrete to judge it yes. is it either it's past financial performance or it's recent financial performance with some kind of a uh, opportunity like a contract as an example just to be simple uh, that shows that it's tangible so you've got tangible proof, I'm letting the million, I can see next month onwards they can pay back. Now straight away, that's why you can't fund an idea. Because an idea can't answer that question that every funder is going to, every funder. Even if they can be entrepreneurial, you know, in the outlook, that basic premise is still has to be met. Ideas can't tick that box. What ticks that box is something before them that's tangible. That's simple okay. and clear enough for the audience. Yeah, right? yeah, but but I don't I don't agree with you that ideas can't be funded because I have funded an idea uh, uh, many times. I, I've backed the jockey. He's come with a, the idea. He's come with a plan. I've backed him. He was wrong. I carried on backing him, and it's become a very successful business. So so to me, you know, in terms of the 
it's called the angel funding space. What, what do angel funders do? They back ideas, mm. right? So what's the basis of that? Previous performance, but not in, in a different context. You're still looking, you're still taking a bet, I suppose. Your thoughts? So when we talked about how does the entrepreneur translate from idea into reality, we said we, he probably has to give up his job, sell his house, take the pension, and get money from family, friends, and fools. Because mm. when we talk about funding, we're talking about institutional <coughs> finance organizations. Yes. I'm not putting angel funders in that category. Okay. Angel funder is going to your brother, a friend, yeah. someone that says, oh, shame, okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. But even there, they want to see some commitment, right? Yes. Not the same standard as a finance company, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have to take a, a break now. We have to commit to our commercial uh, objectives here. We'll be right back after this with our conclusions. A warm welcome back. Now, our discussion today is uh, not our panel discussion. We've been having the avoided debate, and we're talking about why uh, entrepreneurs who go out there with ideas are not getting funding and are blaming, generally blaming the finance institutions for not understanding them. We've gone uh, through a lot of uh, ideas over the last two segments and uh, now it's time for summary. Let's go with you, a couple of minutes on summary. Okay, so when we're talking about uh, I've got a good idea, I can't get funding, I'm answering as a fin as financial, for financial institutions, right? Yeah. Let's start with that end in mind. To summarize what I said earlier on, funder needs to see if they're lending you the million how you're going to pay it back they need something tangible uh, proof history or some kind of future belief that that can happen so what do you have to do as an entrepreneur with an idea to give them that you have to first to show that you've answered the, uh, your own emotional commitment issue right you've left whatever you were doing and scraped up some cash, whether it's car, house, bond, I gave you all those examples earlier on. So that's the first block, to think, mm. to, to show that you are serious yourself. Number two, you've managed to convince some family, fools, whatever, got some money, and you've started and tested. Because this hypothesis needs to be tested. It needs to be tested that the market will buy that product or that service. They will pay that kind of price. You can achieve that kind of margin. You can recruit that kind of staff. And at the end, that profit trickles out that can service their loan. There's a lot between the theory and the reality. And so they need to see that you've gone into that translation. Okay, so that's happened. You've produced the first Tesla car. We can see it. Now we have faith, even if it's something small. So you need to do that. The funder ne uh, sorry, entrepreneur needs to do that before they can convince a financial institution. That's simplistically my okay the steps they should and do. I agree I agree with uh, I agree with that uh, perhaps I will embellish on that and add a couple of other things yeah so to me a commitment is is extremely important and I uh, my proxy for that is in their plan is what their salary is because okay. that shows how much pain they're prepared to take and I love zeros until a certain trigger point. Those are my favorite because it shows I'm prepared to take pain in this. Mm. The second is the, uh, the, the, the characteristic of the entrepreneur. I look for, for that and, and we, we won't go too much into that. But just more broadly who they are, what, uh, what uh, their attitudes are to, to uh, problems, 
And in that, I'm looking at their confidence and particularly their locus of control, whether it's external or internal. And you know from the show, I look at language or listen to language. Where's the blame language? If there's blame language, it was my partner screwed me over. Um, this happened, that happened. I just walk away. And then it's about the, the compelling economic right to exist, which I spoke about, which was the, you know, I've got a product which is well-defined. I've got a market which I believe will buy it, and these are the reasons. I have the ability or competence and desire to sell, and if I sell it, I know I will make a profit. And that last piece is how 100 Rand becomes 120 Rand. Too often, and this is the simple, you talk about brass tacks, they can't explain how they make money. Mm. And what I do when they come with that wonderful little business plan, well not business, that thick one where they're still warm from the photostat machine, I tear it up in front of them and say to them, how do you make money? Mm. And nine out of 10 of them cannot answer that question. Mm. Those are not businesses that anyone would fund. Mm. Now after the break, I'm joined by Dean Carlson, CEO of Brain Farm, a South African event agency and speaker bureau. And this is part two of my interview with him. Dean secures high-profile speakers for high-profile branded events. We'll be right back straight after this. This is the Big Small Business Show. Welcome back. Now, in our Psyche of su Success slot today, we have part two of my interview with uh, Dean Carlson, who is CEO of Brain Farm. Brain Farm is a South African event agency and speaker bureau. And now Dean started his entrepreneurial career straight after matric with a small printing venture and systematically built it up over the years, or built his career up over the years where, uh, where it is today. Last week we spoke about his journey from printing to, um, to and how he got into the eventing space. And uh, we, we ended uh, last week with uh, how uh, all these different people that he's been exposed to, um, the likes of, uh, let's, let's go through some of those names, this yeah. is some name dropping. So, so um, uh, the, the people who kind of we spoke about uh, last week was uh, John Keogh, who was like uh, a very fundamental um, per, uh, person of, of influence in my life who, who got me to change direction. And then subsequent to that was Tony Robbins, right. um, who got me to, 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 to move out of my head into the physical world, really, by, 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 by actively going out there and doing stuff and, and, and not waiting for things to happen or just keep on thinking of for, about things um, that you want to happen. So I think beyond that, I kind of I always say that I'm, I'm literally the luckiest guy I know. I mean, like, I just like, I think I, all the people who are kind of, uh, held as heroes I'm kind of like a, I'm, 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 I'm a born hero worshipper in that because of my circumstances because of where I come from I, I started looking at examples of people who've done great things and 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 try to kind of like look at learnings things that I could learn from their life experiences and from their mistakes and from the things that they went through in their lives and um, guys like Richard Branson I mean like where who I managed to then bring to the country to come and work with um, to come and speak at one of my events and it was like it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life because you spend so many years reading about the guy and, 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 and seeing him on TV and, and you, you kind of feel that you know him because you kind of like you've read so much about him and then you meet him and it's just like he just blows you away with the type of questions that he asks you, the way he gets you to reassess where you are in life. And so I'm very fortunate in that way. I mean, like I kind of like I, I, I get to I get to spend my life surrounded with my heroes. And that to me is like if I had to earn no money 
for what I do, I would still be doing what I'm doing. I'm like, that's why I feel like I'm the luckiest guy. Really, like I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate. Um, but let, let, let's move on from the career because you you were involved with the, uh, the Discovery Leadership uh, um, Summit. Uh, yeah. Summit, yes. Um, very high profile. You then left that and then yes. tried your hand at something else. Yes. So, so what happened was during my, my involvement with the Discovery Invest Leadership Summit, I got approached by the city of Joburg. They asked me to become an ambassador for their growth and development strategy headed up by Mayor Parks Tower at that stage, specifically focusing on smart cities. And through my involvement with that, I, I identified an opportunity for providing free access to free Wi-Fi to people in public spaces. I effectively took that idea to the guys from Prime Media and I said, Prime Media Unlimited, and said, listen, we've got this opportunity. We, there's this opportunity out there. It would be amazing if we could make this happen. And um, they said, listen, we're keen to do this. And they part we ended up partnering with partnering, and I, I got a small bit of equity in that business. We took this project to market. And what happened was the, mo the moment I moved away from the Discovery Invest Leadership Summit, people in the industry who knew me started picking up the phone to me and say, Dean, I know that you're no longer involved in this industry but we've got this big conference coming up. Please will you advise on who, who you would recommend as a speaker? And I would say, I would recommend this person. And then the next question would be, can you get them for us? And then I started doing that. And I went to the guys at Prime Media and I said, guys, listen, I'm getting these requests. <coughs> I would really like to make the most of it and keep my relationships going in the industry, but only if you're okay with it. And they said they fine, were fine with it. So I, continue, I started doing that, excuse me. And then what happened was within one year of me taking the first booking, I ended up bringing more speakers into the country than I did in three years of running the Discovery Invest Leadership Summit. <coughs> Excuse me. And at that point, I could no longer say that it wasn't impacting on my, the work that I was doing with, with the guys at Prime Media. So I basically signed off my, my equity in that business and I started pursuing um, Brain Farm as a full-time business where we, we're very lucky in, in that we bring in speakers for like a whole range of, of big corporates, like all the big financial institutions. Um, so a very wide range of like technology events. But, but you bring in like, like when I say, I mean, in your intro uh, last week and this week I spoke about high profile. Yes. I mean, these guys are ex-presidents. Yes. Um, these guys are like proper rock stars that you sure. bring in, sure. uh, people that we have never heard of that have cha are changing the world in sure. the most phenomenal way. Sure. Like, that access, how do you, I mean, is that a network that you've built up? It is, it's, it's been an organic process. I mean, like I've been doing what I'm doing for, for such a long time. You get to meet one guy and, and, and you connect with them and you try to get somebody who's in a similar space where you struggle to get through to him. You realize that they both write for the same publication. You get to reach out to that guy and ask for an introduction. So there's a lot of that, a lot of that happening. I mean, like, obviously, I think um, people get to know you in the industry as well, and you start getting random introductions from, from, from people around the world. And those we're always very grateful for. And it just, like, I think it's, it's, it's been very rewarding. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a type of thing that the more you kind of get into, the more people kind of you get known in that space, the more people tend to want to work with you. Uh, I'm going to talk about a, a, a thing you're putting together in November, but I'm uh, just looking here at the... At the 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 who's who, will I am is coming. Yes. Um, uh, Jane McConigal, who's uh, uh, director of game research and development, the Institute of Future in in, in California. You got Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Um, here and and various other people. These are high high level people. Yes. Uh, 
you know, to, to put something together, do you think about the, the chemistry of how those people Absolutely. will operate? Like Absolutely. Is, is that important? Absolutely. I think, I think this, this, this particular event that we, we're busy working on um, is, 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 has been a passion project of mine for a long time. And kind of like, I think we, we've been wanting, I've been wanting to get into the space of kind of the innovation and disruption for, for, for quite a long time. And, and we actually went on quite a long journey with, with one of the big banks and started honing the, the lineup on that basis. And then we recently then managed to find, find the perfect partners in terms of creating this event. And, and, and I think that there's, there's uh, obviously you need to kind of like be, you need to be sensitive to the, the chemistry on stage. You need to make sure that, they, that the, the lineup gels. And, and, and we started on this lineup specifically with Will I Am because he's such a phenomenal example of possibility, specifically in the technology space. I mean, like this guy was one of the founding partners of, of, of Beats Electronics that got sold to Apple for something like $3.2 billion. He was, in 2011, he got appointed to the International Board of Intel as the head of creative innovation. He, is, um, he founded the world of the apps with Apple that's sponsored by Apple. Hugely successful with Gary Vaynerchuk and, 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 and um, Gwyneth Paltrow, etc. And, and this event, the lineup was essentially like built around Will I Am. And then we, we, we thought like, who would, who would add to that? Who would add to this conversation? Who would people want to hear? And kind of Malcolm, I, I got to work with in 2009, the guy just blew my mind. He's like, the, it's still today the best speaker I've ever seen live. I, I, he's amazing. So well, I don't want to let too much out <coughs> of the bag here. I just want to just, uh, so if, if I'm a, a disruption kind of guy, I'm a futurist, I'm a technologist. Yes. I can get all the details. I, I don't want to give too much detail, but on uh, on uh, brain Go farm to brainfarm.co.za and, yeah. and all the details will be there. Absolutely, and the events sort of mid-November. Absolutely, and, okay. Um, Dean, you know the the one thing that strikes me from from the the two weeks of interviewing you is your your humility, and and it's such an interesting thing for me is that. That you have an incredibly authentic uh, humility, and I think that juxtaposition with all these 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 uh, so-called heroes um, is, is a very interesting thing. But I Thank think you you're right. a hero in your, your, your own right, and uh, and uh, I I really um, am very uh, proud that you are a, a South African guy bringing all these uh, international you. guys I into this country, and I wish you every bit of success into the future. Thank you very much, Alon, and thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Up next, I'm joined by Carl Balot, uh, who is board member of Inactus South Africa, and we're going to discuss great entrepreneurial ventures initiated and executed by university students. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the Big Small Business Show. Now, Enactus is a global initiative whereby students from higher education institutions reach out to a community in need and apply business principles to create and implement community development projects. Joining me now in studio to discuss this very worthy cause is Carl Balot, board member of Enactus South Africa. Welcome, Carl. Thank you. Right, so explain to me what 
this is all about reaching out to a community in need. What, what does the project entail? Okay, so, so very simply, Enactus believes that by investing in entrepreneurial action, mm. then for the benefit of others, we can create a better world for all of us. So it's around taking entrepreneurial action and putting that into real situations where a community is in need of, of social upliftment, of economic upliftment, etc. And, and through this action, um, learning entrepreneurial skills, etc., demonstrating that, but also making the world a better place. So the, the students are involved in providing that, that, that insight, or how do the students actually get involved? Okay, so, so every university has got, uh, the, how it works, the team is at the university level. Right. So each university will have an actors team. How big? The, um, it could be anything from 20 people to several hundred, depending oh. on the, yeah. Yeah, depending on the university right. and their interest, etc., shown there. What happens then is they need to identify needs in a community or in communities, right. and that they then think how they can apply innovation and entrepreneurial action in that space. They're encouraged to work with others. Mm -hmm. So it's it, uh, you know, so for instance, there might have been research done. There might be an existing initiative that started but needs some help, whatever. So, but it's for them to then get involved in that and to make that more successful. And the engagement is what is 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 how. Uh, just give me an example of like uh, what, uh, the, what a project. Okay, so so to give you an example, one one of the projects showcased by the winning team in the South African competition this year recognised the need in the community around malaria. Right. And I think, as we all know, a huge killer. And I believe there's a child in Africa dying every thirty seconds from malaria. What they what research has shown. So th so they were told this is that the mosquito coils themselves, in fact, I think it's equivalent to inhaling way too many cigarettes, so it in itself isn't necessarily a, a healthy option. So a community had been looking at a, at a plant, well-researched, etc., but how did, where did they take it? So the Enactus team saw the need, they stepped in then to help that community develop a business plan, develop a production process, um, think how they could perhaps diversify to make what they were doing more sustainable um, through, through profit, etc. So, so that's an example of the need was, was <coughs> fighting malaria. Mm -hmm. The opportunity was to step in and say, what is there? What do we as a collective know? And how could we make, make this more successful and more um, sustainable? You spoke about a competition, a local yeah. competition. Yeah. How does, uh, so the universities compete yes. and there's a grand finale. How does that work? Absolutely. It's quite interesting because Enactus is not about the competition. Yes. But we believe that the competitive side takes everything to a different level. Right. So, and, and it also is a way of teaching. It's a way of others being motivated, etc. So every year there's an annual um, national competition. And what happens is all the universities, they can choose if they want to compete. So, so for instance, this last year, 20 teams competed um, out, of the, out of the 25 who reached in the program, and it's th which already defines a kind of standard. They then present on, on a very strict formula. Um, and what I mean by formula is in terms of timing, their presentation, they mm. present an annual report. And it, it really is all about impact. Mm. They present this to a board of judges who, who are called, they're, they're top business people from a number of different companies. And the judges then, according to Enactus Global Criteria, which is really at the end of the day comes down to what is the impact and the sustainable impact, they, they will then elect um, a, a winning team. Huge excitement when, when this won, happens. Who won? Who won? So this last year was the University of Vendor. Okay. Yeah. Well, what was the idea? So, so they, they had three, I mean, they have a number of projects. They presented three of those. So one yeah. of those was the one I've just mentioned briefly around the, the antimalaria. Yeah. The other was around a healing herbal tea, yes. which again, research has shown it's there, but now they needed to get it to market. And then a third one was around clean water.
Okay. And, and so, uh, making that available. This is not just South Africa. There's no. sort of an international uh, competition as well. This Hugely. happens all around the world. Hugely. And Actus is it's, um, headquartered in, in America. Right. But it's a global organization. We're um, actually operating very actively in 36 countries, including 10 African countries. And what happens is the winning team from, from each country goes through to the World Cup. That's held in a different place each year. Two years ago, it was held in South Africa for the first time. Um, and this last year, just, just last week, in fact, was held in London. Okay, yeah. and did we win? And no, we didn't win. Uh, <laughs> Regretfully won? not. So, so India won, and, and, and it's interesting. Idea? So a university from India, but then they then represent the whole country. Right. And they, 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 they really presented two showcase projects, and, and the one was really around looking at slum areas mm. and um, preventing to put it bluntly, defecation in, in public areas and bad sanitation. So it was really to get a community culture shift around clean sanitation for the benefit of everyone. So not a great topic, but an essential one for that community. And then the other project was around bridging the digital divide between rural and urban communities, and in particular, again, gender empowerment, um, because they employed women in these community centres. And a, a big focus of Enactus is always on as I said, impact, but specifically needs based around the UN Sustainability Development Goals. Mm. So whether it's around empowerment of women, whether it's around good health, um, decent work, etc. So there's always also that, that attempt to, to try and link it directly to those. Just coming back to, <coughs> you spoke about taking, for example, that tea in the South African example, yes, and then yes, commercializing yes. it. I mean, how much time do these students actually oh. have to, to, to oh. do that? And, and oh. Just the follow-on to that is, have any of these projects ac actually beyond the actual time scope of yeah. that project become commercial? Very interesting, again, that you, that um, it's a good point that you raise there because sustainability, as I say, is one of the big issues. And while the competition is annual, the idea is that these projects grow. We also want to scale the projects. So, so meaning that, that um, if there's something that's really good, so take the malaria thing, for instance, why not expand that into the whole country, into the continent, wherever there's a need for that, et cetera. Mm. So, so what happens is that there are a number of big, big um, com companies, global companies, who are also very interested in the enactor space. And I'm thinking there are companies like Unilever, like Ford, mm. they, they will, um, or they do sponsor special awards, special competitions, maybe around innovation, maybe around local economic development, around waste management, um, etc. And, and they will encourage the students to look specifically, al almost to innovate for them, so, so to almost become part of that. And when you ask about the time, what's extraordinary with the Nectus is all of this time is, is given by the students. None, none of it is mandated. They don't get any course credits for it. It, mm. it is all over and above what they're doing. And I mean, last year, I think the, the measure was over 330,000 hours. Volunteer hours were given by students in the program. And all of it voluntary, but it's because they, they know they're making a difference. Mm. And then year to year, the projects can carry on. And in fact, to encourage to carry on and hopefully with a view to being scaled. Just last question very quickly. Any of these um, students become entrepreneurs? Yes, absolutely. And, and they've become anything from, from um, sort of going to their own fragrance line. There's one lady who's gone into making um, unique handbags and purses, people with investment companies, a consulting company. Some have taken their, their core professional skill, like psychologists as one alumna, alumnus, and then given back to the community by giving those same skills in, in, a, in a giving back way, in addition to what he does in his profession during the week. And then, in fact, what's interesting is one of the alumni I'm thinking of as well, in her employed situation, so even though she's employed, she's closed that entrepreneurial 
um, spirit, also with a head for business and a heart for the world, which she's taken into an employment situation. And, and she says even in that position, an actress has got her to where, to where she is with that thinking. Head for business, heart for the world. That's Thank it. you very much, yeah. Carl. Well, it's time for my impressions for today, and uh, I want to take my impression as an impetus from Enactus, from the interview with, with Carl, about entrepreneurship in education. And I really am calling this Wake Up South Africa. We have to change the way that we think about education in South Africa, and we have to think about it in unison with entrepreneurship. If you are going to create a society where you're looking for scientists, how can you have a school system without science and biology and physics, etc. You can't. So if we are going to create a country filled with entrepreneurs, how could we have an education system that does not focus on including entrepreneurship into the curriculum? And I'm not talking about, about a, a entrepreneurship as a separate subject, but I'm talking about entrepreneurship in everything, in the math, in the science, in the English, in the Zulu, in everything. Entrepreneurship is a way of thinking and should not be seen as a separate subject that we just put aside with, uh, with an event once a year where we have uh, a market day. It should be part uh, of the homework that we uh, make our kids do. Entrepreneurship is not something that happens separately, it happens everywhere. It should happen as part of the homework that our kids are doing, that they're required to build something, they're required to present something, they're required to cost something. It's part of the homework that our kids should be doing. Entrepreneurship should not be on TV as a reality show where we create fake situations where we have all these people in really really fake situations I've been part of that I do not like that that is not how entrepreneurship works the problem with that is that when our young entrepreneurs grow up they think that that's how the world works that that's how that when they present to these venture capitalists these sharks these dragons these whatevers that that's how it works it does not work that way and when we are sending out the wrong messaging we are creating and we in my opinion we are disempowering our entrepreneurs of the future it should also be uh, spoken about at our dinner tables. And this means you, the parents of young, young children in South Africa, should be talking about entrepreneurship. Even if you are not an entrepreneur, you should be talking about it at the table. When there is that chicken on the table, the question you should ask is, how did this particular chicken get onto the table? Where did it start? Who sold it? Why did they buy, the person who bought it bought, buy from them and not somebody else? How did it move through the value chain? How did it get packaged? How did it get into retail? For how did it get here in, onto my table with all the condiments and how did those come about? There is so much to learn just at the dinner table about entrepreneurship and we all have to take responsibility. Well, that's it for my impressions uh, for today, or perhaps that uh, might be called a rant. This is your show, and we want to hear what you want to rant about, what you want to be talking about, what you want me to be talking about. Or do you want to be here with us in studio talking about your business? If you do, please uh, email us on bigsmall at bdtv.co.za or interact with us on Twitter at bsbs underscore bdtv. It's goodbye from me, and remember, if you think it, write it down and make it a reality. Kumaran's feeling insecure. He needs some feedback. How's he doing? 
<laughs> no, but how's Kumaran doing? How's his performance? Fantastic. A plus, you guess. Okay. All right. Right. You're going to get A minus if you don't put the phone down. I can't hear them, so I don't know if she's yeah. ready. Yeah. She's ready? Okay, she's ready. Okay. Big Small Business Show is brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Transform the future of your business. Partner with the CASA today. And the courage to grow is business. MTN Business. A new world of business.